With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. I became obsessed with the fact that I went from feeling stressed to calm in three minutes. So when I went back to LA and I started searching for places to learn how to meditate, it was really difficult at the time. This was 2012 and there were no meditation studios. Mostly it was six week programs and eight week programs and retreats and, you know, funky locations with gurus. And I was like, where's like the dry bar of meditation where you can walk in and leave in 30 minutes and feel 10 times better. That's what I wanted. That's what I was looking for. And I started Googling New York, Paris, Milan, Los Angeles, every major city across America and across the world. And I couldn't find one. And I said to my husband, I should open up a meditation studio. I should quit fashion and open a meditation studio. And he said, you really should learn how to meditate first. It starts with just taking that leap. Man, you have to work hard. You have to be incredibly smart. Choose something that even if it fails, even if it fails you are going to be proud of. It doesn't matter how badly you got beaten. Be kind, be kind, be kind. Become a better person. I'm Samuel Donner, and this is Finding Founders. My name is Susie Eloff Schwartz, and I am the CEO and founder of the Unplugged Meditation Studios, the app, the corporate program, and teacher training. So meditation is obviously like a really big part of your life now. But seems like at the beginning of your life, fashion was what took over as uh, an interest. So can you tell me about being born into fashion? Oh, well, I was actually born into fashion. My father worked in retail for years and years, and he was actually the president of Macy's when I was growing up. So I've been in every single Macy's Day Parade or many of them. And I had dreamed of being a fashion designer from the age of 12. And that was all that I wanted to do. So I graduated from college. I started working as an assistant public relations person for Giorgio Armani. And then I ended up going to work for Vogue. And that was really the beginning of magazines for me. And then I went to Glamour Magazine and I was there for 14 and a half years, covering fashion on the red carpet, traveling around the globe on every major television show as the face of the representative of Glamour. Hi, I'm Susie Alex Schwartz, an editor of Glamour Magazine, and I've done enough denim makeup. And it was a really fun job. What, works and what, what did that feel like to be so center stage? I mean, imagine it was super fast paced. It was so fast paced. There were some days when I was doing three different TV shows in one day. There was one time where I did a satellite tour and it was 45 stations in two and a half hours. It was a lot, but it was fun. When I thought about it being about me being center stage, I was never very good at it. But when I realized that it was really about promoting the magazine, I can't, I would not ever complain about it. It was definitely a really fun career. 
Did you ever feel you were burning out or or was getting stressed or passing any of that stress on to like coworkers or family members? Because I know at that fast pace, that, that can really be hard to manage. You know, the truth is, is that I was moving so fast that I, did, I didn't even have time to realize how fast I was moving and definitely affected my relationships with people around me, but I didn't even have the time to pay attention to it. They noticed it. I didn't notice it as much. I had zero awareness around myself and I was a taskmaster trying to get everything done. So that's kind of how I operated at the time. When did you start to realize what your family maybe was realizing before you? Well, what happened was, you know, I was in this career for a really long time and I went to California because I was living in New York City to do the Oscars and dress this anchor named Robin Roberts who worked and still does at Good Morning America. And I went to go visit a friend of mine in Malibu and he had three sons who were running free And I kind of thought about my three sons who were climbing up the walls in their New York City apartment. And I said to my husband as a joke, it would be really fun if we moved to Los Angeles. And out of the blue, he got a job offer to move to Los Angeles two weeks later. I was joking. Wow. But when that happened, he kind of said, come on, let's do something new. And he dared me to just kind of give up this career I worked so hard for and loved and just move on. What did it feel like giving up that career? Because it seems like things were going really well for you. Yeah, they were going great. And I was coasting and I was having a blast. It was a lot to give up. But at the same time, the idea of moving somewhere new and trying something new and having a backyard for my kids seemed really exciting. So one of the people that I work with said, you know, Susie, don't be like me. Don't do the same thing over and over for the next you know, 40 years of your life. Try something new. And I came out to California and I had some offers to do television shows. So I started doing a lot of interviews for that. So you were doing interviews in your, your, your new place in LA. When do you start to, like, I guess, like look into your stress and, and meditation as a way to deal with that? So I was working in fashion a little bit still, and I was traveling back and forth between New York and LA, and I was so stressed on one of my trips to New York because I really didn't have the backup that I had in New York for my kids. So my mother-in-law had visited me and she's like, you really need to breathe. And I'm like, what's that? (laughs) And she, (laughs) she taught me like a three minute breathing exercise that took me from completely stressed to completely calm. And I said, what is that? And she said, it's called meditation. You should learn how to do it. And I didn't even realize until I stopped and took that breath and was a 100% present for it, that I had been moving at 200 miles per hour and I needed to slow down. And that's really where it all started. I became obsessed with the fact that I went from feeling stressed to calm in three minutes. So when I went back to LA and I started searching for places to learn how to meditate, it was really difficult at the time. This was 2012 and there were no meditation studios. There were, you know, one app was starting. Mostly it was six week programs and eight week programs and retreats and, you know, funky locations with gurus. And I was like, where's like the dry bar of meditation where you can walk in and leave in 30 minutes and feel 10 times better. 
that's what I wanted. That's what I was looking for. And I started Googling New York, Paris, Milan, Los Angeles, every major city across America and across the world. And I couldn't find one. And I said to my husband, I should open up a meditation studio. I should quit fashion and open a meditation studio. And he said, you really should learn how to meditate first. And I was like, you're right. I need to, <laughs> I need to know what I'm talking about. So I ended up taking every single class you could possibly take. And I realized that meditation really needed a makeover. The teachers needed to be a little bit more, you know, succinct, kind of like a television segment where they simplify it, but they make it really powerful. And when you leave, you kind of feel the effects of it. The studio, the places I was going really felt a lot like ashrams, which by the way, I think are amazing, but I didn't want to walk into that as kind of someone who just wanted to go and feel better and leave. And so I opened up the world's first drop in meditation studio in 2014 called Unplug. And I found the top teacher in California and I asked if he would work at the studio. And he said, I've been waiting for this moment for someone to do just a meditation studio. I would love to. And that was Steve Ross. And he really helped me a lot. He kind of loaned me his studio manager to kind of help me set up. Um, he kind of came into the space and said, you should have purple lighting. And that's kind of how I started. You had this this idea of what you wanted meditation to be and how you wanted to change it and how you thought it could be improved. When did you start seeing other people agree with and live through that vision? Well, when I opened up the studio, three or four months later, it started to become really popular. It almost felt like a nightclub <laughs> in the evenings because it was like everybody wanted to see Steve Ross. Everybody wanted to see David G. There were all these amazing teachers who were coming through the studio and people were like dying to get into classes. Some of them were selling out and they loved how easy and simple and modern it was and how quick and impactful it was. And then we started getting companies who were coming to the studio and then inviting us to come into their companies like Nike and Red Bull and um, Google and YouTube. And you know. So these big companies were seeing how valid and inspirational your, your take on meditation was. Yeah, it was relatable. And we weren't using Sanskrit and we weren't talking about Buddhism. They wanted us to kind of do team building or sound baths and guided visualizations. Like I had a hypnotherapist there and I still do. We're incredible. And it's a big part of our business now to do Unplug for Business, where we go into different companies and either they buy the meditation app for all of their employees so that they the employees can just like click a button and stop their PTSD or stop their anxiety, stress or sleep at night in under 10 minutes. And or we have live teachers going in virtually or physically at their locations. Why do you think like your meditation practice hit a chord? You mentioned that like it didn't use any Sanskrit terms. Um, like, could you like go maybe a little bit more into detail about 
what you think was different about what you were doing um, and maybe some of the conversations you had with people that showed that difference actually had the intended effect. The thing that made us so different is I was actually kind of media training the teachers. I had media training experience when I worked at Condé Nast and I was using that with our teachers. So for instance, I would say, you know, don't say notice if you're feeling uncomfortable or, you know, upset. I would say just notice how you're feeling. So I kind of edited the words that came out of their mouth and helped them to see that the less they said, the more people would be able to relate to it. Another part is I'm, I was scientifically based. So I said, you know, if we're going to do crystals, we have to call out the fact that, you know, it could be placebo or could not be placebo. There's, you know, crystals are used in watches and they're used in lasers. And people say that you can measure the energy, but you know what, you have to decide that for yourself. So we spoke to people like you would want to be spoken to. We also made it modern. A lot of meditation instructors had prior to Unplug, these meditation-y voices. They would talk like this and people would be like, you sit through that. So I would say, you know, just speak like you would as if you were talking to your best friend, trying to calm them down when they were freaking out. And so I also kind of allowed the teachers to let their personality shine. And that was actually the best part about, and that still is the best part about Unplug is we have not only, you know, world renowned, incredible teachers, but I only hire teachers who have great personalities and can relate to all sorts of issues. And actually I find that some of the teachers who come with backgrounds of, you know, they might've been struggling with a stress, anxiety, mental health issues, or um, drug abuse, alcoholism, and have overcome those things with the practice of meditation. Those became my best teachers. Wow, I love that. And this is also a great profession Whereas the older you are, the better you are. So a lot of professions, you know, as you age, you know, you feel this like discrimination against your age. But here, the older you are, the more wisdom you have and the better of a teacher sometimes you are. So to someone who's trying to maybe like create a community around like events or around a certain type of practice, how would you say is the best place to start? And I guess like, you know, in the, in those first few, few months, what do you think should be the focus to make sure you're creating a community and a practice that um, can sustainably and organically grow? Well, one of the things I was lucky about is I was hiring teachers who had followings. So I was gaining community like that. And then they were meeting like-minded people on site. And there were a lot of people who were just lonely and they were looking for 
cool things to do that didn't involve food or alcohol. And there's nothing but cooler than meditation, right? <laughs> um, so, so that was one thing. Also, guerrilla marketing was really helpful. And also speaking at big events, that was really kind of helpful because when you speak and then you invite everybody to come or you leave some type of flyer behind, they look at it. Some of them will use it. Some of them will come. Some, I got some of my greatest clients from speaking events that I've done. I mean, that, that, that seems like the, the right way to go about it. Mm-hmm. I guess like the last thing is what piece of advice would you give to like young entrepreneurs at the beginning of their journey? Mm, I would say meditate. Because it's very stressful running your own company. I mean, one of the greatest things I have is the Unplugged Meditation app. And I literally use that every single morning before I get out of bed to put me in a clear, calm, positive mindset and a growth mindset. I'm starting the day well. Someone once said, you want to master your days to create masterpiece days. And the best way to do that is first thing in the morning, get up, meditate, work out for 15 minutes, eat healthy. And then you already, you know, nailed your morning. Right. Yeah. It's, it's starting that with intention. (laughs) Yeah. So then the next thing is what's the next big thing I can do. So thinking about, you know, the what's in focusing on the one thing that's actually going to move the needle and don't try to be a solopreneur. Um, I did that and it's a disaster. You want to hire someone you have to, you have to spend money to make money. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, rate the podcast five stars, and share with a friend. If you have any questions or comments, DM us at Finding Founders Podcast on Instagram, LinkedIn, or Facebook. Finding Founders is produced and hosted by me, Samuel Donner. Our chief of staff and operations is Jessica Lynn. Our audio editing team lead is Adrian Tapia. Support from Irene Van Burkle, Matt Fernandez, Renee Buchanan, Sophia Donner, Maura Lynch, Zoe Maddox. Ashley Jimenez, Michael Chung, Nicholas Guzman, Aaron Devereaux, Sanessa Gisley, and Lois Choi. Our outreach and research lead is Kenny Ong, with support from Sarah Hobson, Melody Sopani, Cherise Tan, Jake Wiley, Ibada Thrai, and Mecca Shelton. Our writing team lead is Elizabeth Bowen, with support from Abigail Azardia, Elise Caldwell, Jake Wiley, Jordan Ortiz, and Sanessa Gisley. Our design team lead is Shruti Ramanand with support from Sohail Amartya, Tiffany Dang, Jonathan Was, and Diana Marie Candazza. To see more of what we're up to, subscribe to our newsletter at findingfounders.co. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.